Love. Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hey everybody, we are on day three of the top five most listened to episodes of the e-commerce marketing society podcast of 2022 and today i'm extra excited because two of my most favorite subjects are colliding your money and your mindset without either of these things being strong and sustainable you cannot scale and a lot of the time we're chasing sales trying marketing madly working really hard where the real thing that is holding us back is that wobbly mindset so we don't think we deserve money we think we're bad with money we think we suck at money all those stories that we're telling ourselves and that is truly the invisible barrier that is holding us back So I welcome Fee Johnson back to the podcast today. We recorded this back in May 2022. Fee is the founder of Peach Business Management. She's not only a chartered accountant by trade, but she's also a business strategist, mentor and finance coach for purpose-led business owners. This is such a juicy chat, which you guys loved. Not only do we discuss big things like overcoming money, mindset barriers, but how you can unlock your growth and focus on what you need to do to get financially literate, which is so important for women in business. And also how money in the hands of women can change the world because when we are successful, we bring other women on that successful journey with us. I mean, think about it. How many people you've worked with to grow your own business? Take a look at them. A lot of them are going to be women. I know it is for my business. So ladies, if you're holding on to mindset garbage and old beliefs and stories around money that you think is holding you back, time to listen to this episode. Now, this episode is brought to you by my 12-week group coaching program, Ecom Grow Strong. Enrollment opens again in February. In this hands-on program, I am your official coach, cheerleader, and marketing wingwoman, day in, day out for 12 weeks. I personally guide you through transforming your marketing from a hot mess express to what money-making machine. So if you struggle with how to get more traffic or more engagement and more sales from your marketing efforts, or you feel like you're not doing any marketing at all, you're kind of avoiding it, it's now time in 2023 to get it sorted out, invest in yourself, invest in your business and join me in Ecom Grow Strong. We're going to be hanging out for 12 weeks together, building strong business brand and marketing foundations and then implementing sales and traffic generating marketing strategies that are going to work for you not only right now, but many, many years into the future. So get your name on the wait list for Ecom Grow Strong. Doors open again in February and we kick off March 2nd. There's limited spaces because it is a group coaching program. So you get a lot of time with me. And if you're on the wait list, you will save $200 off the course price. So go to lisaburn.com.au or ecomgrowstrong.com.au and get your name on the list. Right, let's get stuck into this awesome chat. Hey, Fee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Oh, such a pleasure. We've been been trying to pin you down to have you come on and chat with me and get to know my audience um, because I think what you do is so important and I love your your position as well that you you know you're all about helping purpose led business owners. And with that, I guess we could ask you to introduce yourself. Who do you help? What do you do? 
Thanks, Lisa. Um, if it's okay with you, I'll just do a really brief acknowledgement of country because it feels like a nice way of kicking off um, who I am and where I come from. Um, I'm not an Indigenous person, which is why I'll do an acknowledgement of country as opposed to a welcome to country. So, yeah, I'm coming to you from the lands of the uh, Wurundjeri and the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to um, give them my respect, um, give my respect to elders past, present and emerging, and note that sovereignty has never been ceded. And what I do, so I'm Fee, Fee Johnston, and my business is called Peach Business Management, and I'm a chartered accountant and um, that's my trade and the sort of work that I do for purpose-led business owners is all around business strategy, money management, financial um, intelligence and basically just helping people to, yeah, understand their own finances so they might not need their accountant as much as they used to. Mm, I love that. Such big, important work. And they may not need their their um, accountant as much, and they may not even need to do marketing as much if they're you know financially healthy and fit and everything that you talk about and have a good strategy as well. Um, and money is such an interesting conversation, especially with women. Do you find that in the work that you do, like there is so much uh, fear and like judgment and even shame attached to it? Absolutely, yeah. So. I think what happens with money, it's a very layered topic. So we might have those kind of surface level things that we're aware of, like thoughts that come into our mind that we, we know are thoughts. But then we have these other layers underneath that are so ingrained that we actually just think they're true. Mm. But it might be that your auntie or your school teacher or your dad or the person who owned the milk bar when you were eight years old said something like, money doesn't grow on trees, and then that has implanted itself into your brain. And as an adult, you haven't actually had the chance to unpack, is that actually a true sentence? And I think the um, one of the things that I think is quite an Australian thing to do or something that I see come up a lot with my Australian clients, which is most of my clients, is we have this idea that we have to work really hard in order to be successful or financially successful or whatever the kind of thing is. And I think that comes from, um, you know, most people on this continent are migrants, um, you know, 97% of us have come here in the last 250 years. And we've created this culture of kind of working hard people who, you know, um, have either come from somewhere in the last hundred years and are trying to sort of make their way in a new culture or people who came from the sort of convict background that a lot of us came from, um, you know, earlier than that. And what that means is that we're all working ourselves into the damn ground and not actually stopping to think, does this actually make sense? Mm. Does yeah. it feel good? Yeah. And it's like, I think it, um, the culture in America, I think, is slightly different that they really celebrate financial success. Whereas in Australia, we tend to, in some ways, we actually kind of shun it. So, mm -hmm. like, for example, I don't know about you, Lisa, but if I pull up to a BMW in my car, my first thought is like, Oh, what a wanker. What a wanker. <laughs> and it's it's so immediate that you don't even have time to sort of stop it from coming into your brain. Mm. Whereas my understanding is that in America, if someone pulls up next to you with a fancy car, you stick your arm out the window and go, woo, like, go you. Yeah. And it's just such a different approach to, yeah, how we think about money and how we translate our ability to earn income um yeah it's so so layered it is it's so true and I'd never thought about it in terms of like the convict background and the immigrant background migrant background um it's yeah just such like the Aussie way of life like hard yakka you know yes she'll be right work hard do your job everything will be okay sort of thing um and yeah so interesting comparing it to the American way of life and I think slowly but surely it's infiltrating us here in Australia especially in the female entrepreneurial space well this is mm. my observations anyway where it's about abundance and celebrating profit and um 
you know, embracing those milestone, financial milestones or financial rewards by like buying the Louis Vuitton or buying the Mercedes or whatever. Whereas in Australia, like exactly what you say, it's like, you know, entitled wanker Mm. (laughs) or like, or like, oh, she's so showy, she's so this and that. Um, And, yeah, we're telling us these stories. And do you think that that obviously has the potential to cap our earnings? 100%. Yeah. So the ways that our money mindset or our money beliefs impact our business is just mind-blowing. So if you haven't had the chance to unpack those thoughts for yourself, you might be doing things like undercharging or over-servicing, which is kind of the same thing with a different you know, uh, side of the knife. So over-servicing, and that happens in product and service businesses, mm-hmm. the over-servicing um, thing. Um, it can stop you from taking risks that might actually be good risks for you to take. And it can also mean that, um, you know, I see a lot of product-based businesses focus so much on revenue without considering their profit mm-hmm. or the even better marker which is their cash flow mm-hmm. and um, I think if you're um, able to understand why profit and positive cash flow is really important to you and it's more important than revenue which is actually the easier thing to make um, yeah so money mindset really does span through all of these different parts of our businesses and yeah I see the undercharging and the over servicing as the two main money mindset challenges that I see with my clients mm-hmm. some men do have the same challenges but it's mostly females yeah I totally agree with that I think I, I don't know what it is, but I think they don't even really consider, you know, investments or they don't consider, um, you know, uh, yeah, spending money on things as anything bad or good. Like I know yes. as a female, I know that's what I tell myself, well, this was a good one and that was a bad one because it, you know, whatever, whatever. And then when my partner starts looking through the bank statement and asking me, okay, so what is this a subscription? Why is there this subscription? And I'm, I instantly get so angry and cranky, like mm. I'm being judged by have I made a good decision or a bad decision? Mm. Yeah, but actually females are really great money managers. Yeah. And we just don't give ourselves enough credit. I think Um, I see a lot of female business owners who actually do have really decent um, sort of cash reserves in their business and they don't actually realise how great they are because no one's ever told them. You know, they go to their accountant every year, they do the tax return and then at the end of that no one says, hey, this is actually phenomenal that you have X or Y sitting in your bank account. Should we talk about, you know, what's led to that and how we can, you know, help you to kind of use that in a way? Whereas men tend to be really fast to make investments in things like equipment or kind of anything that's about growing their business. They have no qualms whatsoever in spending money on that. Mm -hmm. Whereas females are really thinking about things in such a um what do they say it's sort of like a waffle brain or a spaghetti brain where we think about 50 different reasons around the thing that we're thinking about yes and so we're thinking about how will this affect my customers Mm -hmm. how would this look to my competitors how would this look to my friends am I doing this the right way what if someone Mm -hmm. says I'm too expensive or what if this investment I'm making goes bad so we have all of these layers that we're thinking through and it's not always that we're we're not always prioritizing financial well-being or profit or positive cash flow. Yeah, we're really yeah. thinking about other things. That's so true. Or the the big one, I know I do this myself is am I taking away money from my family if I invest yep. in this $20,000 mastermind or whatever it is? Whereas yep. a man would be you know, I'm making assumptions here, but, um, sure. you know, the more masculine way of looking at that would just be, you know, it's going to take my business from where I am now to where I want to be. You know, it's a no-brainer. But, yeah, mm. women have got these stories swirling around their mind. Do you think it's something that we need to lean into being more of that masculine energy viewpoint or do you think it's like just working through the stories that we're telling ourselves and de- dismantling that? Yeah, 
<laughs> That's a really cool way of asking the question, Lisa. Um, no, I don't think we need to be more masculine. I think there's enough masculine energy yeah. <laughs> floating around this planet. I agree. I think masculine energy has created capitalism and many other structures that make it more difficult for women to yeah. sort of thrive. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that feminine energy and the female way of thinking is absolutely amazing and something to be really harnessed. Mm -hmm. And I might have the stats wrong, but I'll have the gist right, which mm -hmm. is in the community development world, they know that for every one female that they lift out of poverty, she will bring five women up with her. Mm. And to me, it might not be five anymore, so don't come at me, anyone who's telling me the number's wrong. But the gist is that making investments in women and lifting women out of poverty or the, you know, example we're trying to make, which is getting women to be more financially successful, make more money, be more visible, talking more about money, all that's going to do is lift another five women up into the same realm that, you know, the first person is in. And I think women are so great at building community, being valuable. Um, we're great at collaboration. We are really resourceful and thrifty and we know how to kind of stretch rather than chase, which is a Scott Sonnenshine um, sort of term. That's a great book called Stretch that. for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, and, yeah, I think what we need to do as women is encourage each other to talk more about our finances and to start seeing money for what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people have these negative connotations of money, which is no surprise mm -hmm. <laughs> based on what we see in the media. But really money is just a measurement tool. It measures value. And money has the power to do so many different things. And that could be create more freedom and time to be with your family. It could be creating employment opportunities for people in your community to come and work with you. Um, you know, money and or profit can do things like um, invest in, you know, philanthropic adventures. It can allow you to create scholarships. You know, money has the power to change the world and I think females are yeah. so good at doing that so I think step one is just identifying that hey we do have these money beliefs how can we slow down for long enough to actually hear them inside our own minds and start talking about it a bit more totally oh there's so many things I could talk about there <laughs> the first one you know, which gives me goosebumps. And I know I'm having a great chat when I get goosebumps and tears in my eyes, but <laughs> the fact that, yeah, you give um, a woman money, and this is a quote, I can't remember the quote or who said it, but it's a really good one, like that money in the hands of the, the Western woman is the power to change the world sort of thing because she is taking up other women with her. And we see that so, I know in my work, I see it constantly, I'm constantly yeah. referring other my clients onto other women and on, when you were saying that, I couldn't think of the last time I actually worked with a male. And I know that's probably a bit naughty in, in, in that sense, <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they've got plenty of stuff to keep them busy. And there has been an influx of women coming into business and stepping into their independence over the past two to three years. Like I think that's mm. accelerated. Absolutely. Um, and how exciting that we can have such a positive impact by being successful, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not about just, um, you know, the fact that we could buy nice things, but we can actually have positive change and we mm. can't create that positive change until we, you know, lean in that money isn't, isn't as scary as it, as it is yeah. made out to be. It's not a bad thing. Um, mm. And what would you say is some ways that someone could sort of like, yeah, get over those stories. So I know you said that you slow down and start noticing them. What yeah. else do you think that we could do? Yeah, slow down, notice them, write them down. You know, what is this thought that keeps coming up? Is it money doesn't grow on trees or is it you need to be the good girl? Yes. The good girl, the good girl narrative yeah. is so strong and I believe that might be across all cultures. Mm -hmm. Um 
you need to be the good girl. Well, why? Mm. <laughs> why do I need to be the good yeah, girl? Yeah, and what is a good girl? Like, Yeah, yeah, what's good? Yeah, yeah. That's layered as well, isn't it? Money, right. sex, you know, education, being quiet, all that kind mm. of stuff. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I think that first step, like, a, like we've both just agreed, is getting it out of your head and onto a piece of paper or into a voice memo on your phone or something like that. I think there's a lot of education out there. So there's a lot of books um, that are about money mindset. So Denise Duffield Thomas is the queen of money mindset in Australia, and I love that she's Aussie. Um, There's a lot of other American writers that talk about money mindset, but quite a new one is uh, Rachel Rogers, who's an African-American woman who is fabulous. Um, um, has a book, We Should All Be Millionaires. And I've got to say it's quite confronting. Like in some parts you think, whoa, like I really do still have a block because this sentence that she's just written has really kind of triggered me. Um, So I think reading about money mindset, listening to different podcasts and getting different ideas, and then just trying on a new money mindset. Like I have this thing that I say to my clients, which is just try it on like a dress. Yes, yeah. Just try on the idea that, um, you know, there's endless money in the world and there will always be enough for me. Mm -hmm. Or this one, which I particularly like for service-based businesses, um, which is my clients love paying me to give them the value that only I can give them. Um, For a product-based business, it might be something like, um, you know, my clients love unwrapping um, my my products when mm-hmm. it arrives in their letterbox or um, my products are making a really positive difference to people's lives. Um, and so really thinking about how can I tie the, um, you know, the reason why I have a business, so what is that problem that I'm solving, mm-hmm. how can I actually start to weave that into my kind of daily practice? So, you know, trying it on like a dress might be saying that over and over while you're cleaning your teeth or mm-hmm. it might be having the audacity to write it on a social media post and yes. seeing what happens or coming on a podcast and saying one of these sentences that makes you feel a bit tingly and weird, like you kind of want to hide your face while you say it. I mean, um, you know, these are just such basic things and I think beyond that there's associating yourself with people who are financially successful and talking about it and getting advice from great financial people um, and great mindset coaches. Like we know that um, having a growth mindset, which really covers most parts of business, um, is really important and very closely linked to success. Mm -hmm. And having a growth mindset when it comes to money is also really important. So it's about realising that you earning a great living doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's not not a give and take situation. And the more money that is getting into the hands that can change the world, the better. Mm -hmm. Like, I am sick of waiting for governments to fix all of these problems that we have in our world. I know that small business can do it. Mm. And that's why I love working in small business. And I think you do too, because we have the ability to solve problems with our products and services, but we also have the ability to actually change the world by just showing up and being leaders and being the female who does bring other women up with her. So it's all linked in together. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And and that's it. It's And working with small business, yes, you can help them make more money. But for me, the real gift is helping them see their power and see their their special piece of the pie, whatever it is. You know how you were saying that mantra Mm. is, you know, my products are helping, you know, people feel this or get that, you know, give it it's almost like we we as women we need a permission to go yeah I'm awesome I <laughs> can earn as much money as I want and that's okay there is nothing yeah. bad about that yeah mm. yeah and the thing that the internet has done the internet yes um, 
which I believe was actually created by the American government, which just is kind of bizarre. I've never really thought about how it came to be, but, yeah, apparently it was their gift to the world, Um, (laughs) like truly. Um, But the internet has created so much opportunity for women all over the world because all we need to make a living is a bit of gumption and belief Mm -hmm. in ourselves and an internet connection. Yeah. And most places in the world do have at least some internet connection. And that means that we don't have to fit into what were the old business models where Um, you know, like the barrier to entry of getting into a business 20 or 30 years ago, you used to work in TV, right? So it was extremely, it is extremely expensive to advertise your business on TV. Mm. It was extremely expensive to work with an ad agency to help you put together your, you know, campaign and launch Mm. your business. Now, we just start a social media account, start connecting with people, sharing a message that others believe in, and off we go. And it's yeah. like the democratization of business. And I just see that as endlessly uh, full of endless opportunities for females who want to work in online education, online products, and online service delivery, because really, I can deliver my service to anybody in the world. Yeah. And I do. And um, imagine, tell, I sometimes imagine telling my grandma, both of my grandmas have passed, and I just think about telling them what my business life is like and them just, just, just being so blown away and so happy that these opportunities are here for us. It is. It's such an exciting time to be in business. Um, and yeah, you're right. We don't have to spend twenty thousand dollars on a TV campaign or even five thousand dollars on a face on a newspaper ad. Women yeah. have built businesses, and we see it every day, just through doing what comes naturally to them: being creative, mm. having conversations, bringing people together, connecting. So yeah, leaning into that, leaning into your feminine gifts can bring that, you know, financial abundance that you know, everybody chases. It doesn't have to be hard. Mm. And I think that that goes back to your original point where we are all working too, too hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we all make it hard. Sometimes I think, (laughs) why am I making this so hard for myself and for my clients? Like, just make it easier. Yes. I think you're um, the product businesses who I know are listening to this podcast. Have a look at your product list. And tell me honestly, is it too big? Mm-hmm. And the answer is probably yes. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I see, because I do work with a lot of e-commerce businesses, I actually think, now I don't want to upset anybody, but I think a lot of product-based business owners might go into that business because they really like buying the products. Like they actually get a real kick out of sourcing and buying the products that they're going to sell. Mm -hmm. And it's like a little like, oh, my God, I get Mm -hmm. to buy all this stuff. Like spending money feels good, right? Yeah. You know, most cases, unless it's with the dentist or something. But, you know, spending money feels good. And if you've gone into a product-based business because you love buying stuff, maybe you need to identify like how can I actually get that thrill from other things such as being profitable because if you're focusing most of your energy on what you're buying rather than actually looking at what is selling and what is you know profitable and what your customers actually want you're probably just going to be in this endless loop of never having enough cash flow yeah Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's probably one of the first things that you can do is figure out your best sellers, you know, and have they changed yeah. over time? And what is the difference between the, you know, the low sellers and the, the medium sellers to the high sellers? And if there's a huge difference, like you say, cut out some of that dead wood um, yeah. and, and be more profitable that way. Um, and there's, yeah. you know, there's so many ways that you can be more profitable, but um, I like how you were saying, that they go into business to buy buy things. Another thing is like creation, you know, 
being creative yeah. and the packaging. Yeah. I see a lot of people, a lot of my clients, maybe they're creating a new box or a new packaging for every single new product. And I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, that must take you hours. And it does. It takes an hours to source, hours to design, thousands of dollars to create. Whereas I think most online um, shoppers now they don't really want a lot of packaging they because no. I, I know I feel terribly guilty when I put it in the recycling bin yeah yeah like the, these are small ways that you can look at what you're already doing optimize what you're already doing what's working what's not without having to you know add Facebook ads to your marketing mix or something like yeah. that yeah I think you know when you look at some of the really successful businesses that you know have come in the or you know are around at the moment I think who gives a crap and I think mm-hmm. um oh gosh I've forgotten go to skincare yes and yeah. I love both of those brands so much because their copy is so fun mm-hmm. it's just absolutely jumps off the page or the box And, you know, who gives a crap just I couldn't love that business any more than I do. You know, it's simple. It's pretty much one product. Mm -hmm. It's a subscription, which means it's the holy grail of recurring income, Mm -hmm. which most product businesses are always searching for. Like, how do I find something they want to buy every month or every two months? Um, And, you know, the copy on the box there's no way that you could ever get a box of loo paper from who gives a crap and not want to get another box in a month's time or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And I think with go-to skincare, um, which I know um, Zoe doesn't own anymore, it's so simple. The packaging is just two colours mm-hmm. and a yeah. lot of really amazing copy. And what that means is that in their marketing and their storytelling It's simple. They don't even have to really think about how they're going to market or position themselves because they've kept things so, so simple and so beautiful. And I think it's very efficient. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm not saying that everyone should just have one product or that everyone's branding should just be two colors. Um, But I think there's a lot to learn in, like, I don't know anything about their businesses but I can't imagine that Facebook ads is the reason that they are successful yeah Yeah. yes yeah exactly good strategy probably and like you I don't know anything about how they were developed but I imagine it would be all the strategy all the thinking all the growth plans potentially Mm. done right up the front getting really clear on their profit and all that kind of stuff and then that's when you can grow yeah but I think I I see a lot of the time um, you know, maybe two to three years into their business, um, they're thinking, scratching around, like, how can I grow? How can I grow? But really it's looping back to things like their foundations, their profit, their costs, their distribution, all that kind of thing before they can grow. Do you, what, yeah. kind, of, what kind of patterns or commonalities do you see um, when you work with e-commerce businesses? In yeah, I mean, I think the overarching comment with product businesses, but you know, and let's face it, every product business needs to be an e-commerce brand or else they're missing out on, mm-hmm. you know, such a huge market. Mm-hmm. Um, the common um, issue that I see is poor cash flow mm-hmm. and poor cash flow is a result of having to buy stock long before you sell the stock. Mm-hmm. But if your product margins are high enough, that should be a short-term problem. But because so many product businesses actually aren't aware of what their margins are, and margin is just a fancy way for saying like the difference between what you sell it for and what you buy it for, what you bought it for. (laughs) Um, So the difference between those two amounts, if that's too low, it doesn't matter how many of them you sell, you're never going to get out of cash flow problems. Yeah. So if you've got a product business and you're five or six years in and you're still having really big cash flow problems, you need to look at your margins. And maybe it's not the product margin itself, but maybe it's actually the cost of doing business. So are you relying on Facebook ads for every sale that you make? And if you are, you are in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of e-commerce businesses love the kind of analytics and the, you know, the nature of that kind of digital marketing is very exciting because, mm-hmm. and no marketer can tell me they're not a numbers nerd because you guys are way more into numbers than even accountants are. Um, you know, digital marketing is really uh, sexy because it's, it's, um, it's linear. You can see exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. We spent... $20 and we had 40 eyeballs and those 40 eyeballs went and spent $100 or whatever mm. it is. Mm-hmm. So it's so easily traceable, which is why people, you know, really get off on it because it's it's almost like not in a bad way, but it's kind of, well, it's gamified, isn't it? Yeah, say it's, it's kind of like, like the pokies. Like you the put pokies, a dollar in and you might yeah. get $10, $10 out. You might. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. But it's, the thing is, if you're having to spend a dollar for every $10 that you bring in, um, it's okay to have to spend a dollar to bring that $10 in if you then get to keep that client mm. because then that dollar or that $10 investment or whatever it is was worth it because you actually got to retain and nurture and build a relationship with that customer. But if you're having to spend a dollar for every $10 you bring in, and it's not actually delivering anything in the long term, I would say that it's worth looking at what is my business 101? Like, Mm. am I sending great emails? Mm. Am I taking care of my customers? Do I send them little love notes every now and then? Or what are the ways that I can actually build a connection between me and this person at the end of the um, Australia Post delivery van? that means that they are actually going to want to keep coming back to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, year after year or month after month, whatever it is. And I think I, I imagine that what Who Gives a Crap and um, Go To Skincare have done is they've invested in copy and SEO and those things pay dividends forever. Mm-hmm. So you get a great copywriter like Shan, who you had on a few yes. weeks ago, who I adore, Um, She has been through my group program and she's just awesome. Um, If you get a great copywriter like Shan involved, that investment that you make in that copy will be around forever and Mm -hmm. it will be attracting people towards your business forever. Whereas Facebook ads, and here I am going on a marketing tangent, which I didn't really mean to do, (laughs) but I think a lot of e-com business owners don't actually understand the cost of Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever ads they're doing because they're not factoring in the amount of time that it takes to create, you know, the creative that they're using or paying the agency that's doing it for them or the opportunity cost of, you know, using that $1 for something else. So I would say, yeah, that cash flow kind of uh, rhythm that we see where everything's going well and then when we need to buy stock again, everything's terrible. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong in that mix that you're not actually making enough profit to actually fund the next round of of product that's coming. And, yeah, yeah, it's about how do I build those long-term relationships with my clients yes there's Mm -hmm. there's the cycle of um you know being cash poor so women sometimes default to working harder working longer throwing panic marketing so hiring an agency and i'm guilty of this i did this uh, about six months ago (laughs) okay that was that was one of my air quotations um bad investments oh maybe Um, a learning learning opportunity huge huge learning opportunity (laughs) but we scramble we're like okay i've got to do more of this i've got to hire that expert i've got to get better at this whereas really like you say business 101 let's go back to looking at the cost of doing business and the product margins Mm. and and it's those core things that we skip over because they feel scary they feel um uh daunting and confusing Mm. and that's where i think you know you do need to invest and get help from someone like you or go to your accountant and get clear because the clarity is going to just get you so far yeah by demystifying and taking that layer of fear off numbers seeing it there in paper Mm. yes it might make you feel a little bit sweaty and a little bit but at least you're going to have clarity in a way forward yeah yeah Mm. I mean clarity is the most um desired thing in business 
having clarity about what you want to do and how to get there there's ne- never anyone in the world has said look I'm a bit too clear about where I'm yeah. going <laughs> that's so yeah. true yeah yeah and, and I, I love what you do which is um the words are something like um I, sh- I help e-commerce business owners to know what to do rather mm-hmm. than doing all the things yeah which things to do not all the things yeah and I think that um way of thinking can be applied across the whole business yeah so, so true yeah what's the one thing that I could do today that might actually make a difference for this business yeah and mm. it's you know if it, I always refer to it as a plate like let's say if you've got 10 things on your plate you you can eat all those 10 things but maybe you should probably only try and eat one of them or like do yeah. one of them and let's yeah. move those things off the plate focus on this one thing get really good at it because I think the quickest way women fall into burnout and overwhelm is we try to do too much and we just stop doing any of it or we do it Mm. half-assed and then we spiral into that I'm crap, nobody wants my thing, I'm going to work harder and it's just a vicious cycle. So, yeah, clarity Mm. on what to focus and when and clarity on numbers, which is what you can obviously help them with. Yeah, and I think, like, listen to your customers. If, you, if you're not sure what to do and you're feeling confused and you think, should I work on this, should I work on that, go and read your own Facebook reviews mm-hmm. and just see what is it that is, what are people excited about? You know, is it actually the product or is it the way that we deliver it? Mm. Or do they actually just love that we're able to get it to them the next day or Is it that we, you know, they love receiving our emails or is it that we make them feel part of a community? Mm -hmm. And I think we forget how valuable our own customers' thoughts are because if we can give them more of what they want, everything is going to be easier. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love, um, you know, you would have probably read that Facebook ads have just kind of gone gone to crap um they're getting ios changes yes yeah so they're just just harder to see results and it's forced Mm. a lot of um businesses to look at what you were talking about before which is customer retention so instead of buying Mm. new customers constantly which is very expensive very hard and draining nurturing the ones that you've got and that's what i love about the fact that facebook ads have gone so tricky that yeah you know, what I've been banging on about for years, which is growing your repeat customer rate and nurturing the people that know, like, and trust you already, it's going to feel easier, but it's going to be Mm. also far more profitable as well. Yeah. And it's also a really great idea to let go of some things too. So that might be, you know, you don't always have to offer that product because there's five loyal customers on your list that buy that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to, you know, continue to offer, I don't know, can't even think of an example, but you don't actually have to have everything for everyone. You know, yeah. it's actually okay to say, look, we don't actually stock that anymore, but here are five stores that do stock it if you'd like to go and, you know, interact with them. Or, um, you know, I think we really need to um, niche in as much yes. as possible. Yeah. I totally agree. Being as specific as you can and growing not by adding more, but by doing less, stripping back. Yeah. You know, if you feel like if you feel like you're doing too much, then you then you are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And so and sorry you go. I was gonna say, you know, nothing good has ever happened um after midnight yeah. as a business owner, you know. We've all done it. We've had this project or something that just had to launch and it just felt so high on the priority list that we just kept working on it till midnight. And then the next day you realise the link's broken. You have to do the whole thing again anyway. Or there's a typo or the email didn't send or whatever it is. Like, you know, trying to just hustle, hustle, hustle and work harder and push more into your day, it's not going to work doesn't matter Mm. what kind of business you have it really Mm. doesn't yeah and you know 
needless to say as well, it's going to feel awful. And I think I'm probably sitting in one of those seasons at the moment, you know, school holidays, um, six-year-olds being tricky, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything feels hard. So Mm. I I feel the, the need and the pull just to strip everything back. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good piece of advice for anyone listening is if something feels hard, don't keep going. Give mm. yourself a little time to pause and figure out why it feels hard and what you can strip back. Yeah. And I think something that we often do as females is we try to fix what's broken yes. or we, we <sighs> try to work on our weaknesses. Yes. What we should be doing <laughs> is just leaning into what we're already really good at. You know, mm-hmm. if you're really good at designing new products or you're really good at writing copy or you're really good at, you know, answering people's phone, um, you know, queries, mm-hmm. lean into that mm-hmm. and just keep doing more of that. Like the things that we find easy and that allow us to have time melt away while we're doing them, those are the things that we should be doing more of and we should be thinking about, um when the time is right because I think a lot of businesses outsource things just a touch too early Mm -hmm. um I think it's good to actually know how to do everything in your business at least a little bit Mm -hmm. um at least enough that if something somebody was sick or something went wrong or you had a bad experience with an agency or whatever you actually are um you know, capable enough to kind of see that something's not going right or to be able to take over and do an okay job of that until you find the right person to do it. So yes. I think, yeah, having having an understanding of everything in your business at least a little mm-hmm. is, I think, really important. And I actually believe that any small business owner can upskill in the finance arena. I also work with clients one-on-one. So I have a six-month program where essentially they're working through the business strategy, which is the thinking behind their business, um, and the financial planning. So who are our customers? How many widgets do I want to sell? Mm-hmm. How many staff do I want to have on my team, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the way that I work that's quite different from a lot of other, uh, there's a new, not newish term called a virtual CFO, which is mm-hmm. essentially what I am. Most CFOs will um, actually want to do this work for you. Yeah. I want to teach you how to do it yourself. And I just want you to be dangerous enough with the finances that you could actually do it yourself if you needed to. I'll also give you the skills to hire somebody to do it for you if that's, you know, right for your business. But, yeah, that is the way that I differ from other finance professionals in that I don't want to do the work for you forever. Mm-hmm. Just like there's a huge revolution happening in marketing where people actually want to learn how to do things themselves. Mm-hmm so that they can grow their business to a point where they can bring a marketer in-house. I want to do the same thing for you in the finance space. Um, So, yeah, you can work with me in my group program or you can work with me one-on-one in a six-month, very intimate um, business mentoring kind of a program. Working with me one-on-one, generally it's businesses that are already kind of established. So they might have been going for a few years already. They probably already have income maybe around the 500k a year or more mark and that's who I would work with on that sort of six-month program. And I also do work with medium-sized businesses. So that's businesses that are already turning over more than $2 million a year and they're really looking for someone to be their CFO. Mm. And the way that I work with them is I'll work with them for two years and I think that that's the perfect amount of time to help them really get their finances tightened up, understood and really well mapped out so that the the next person who comes along will be an in-house CFO or finance manager or or whatever it might be. So, yeah. You must All businesses welcome. That sounds like a good, fun job that you're doing, helping <laughs> people see that they're amazing with money and making them more profitable. I mean, what's not to love about that? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Profit is such a loaded word. Like I find that some business owners, um, like you'll actually now we've talked about money mindset a bit in this podcast, um, the listeners might notice 
even on people's public platforms like their social media and their website, you can actually see their money mindset beliefs coming out in their words. Mm. So things like, I wanted to come up with a such and such that didn't break the bank. Mm-hmm. Why not? What if I want to break the bank yeah. to buy the whatever? Let's say if I want the best of the best. Yeah, people mm. like spending money. They um, do, they do. Yeah, I see people saying things like, oh, I'm looking for a photographer who doesn't charge an arm and a leg. I hate that. Okay. I hate seeing that. Yeah. You're probably going to find a student, which is fine if that's what you're looking for. Mm. And, yeah, I think um, it's really interesting because sometimes, yeah, I'll see business owners who uh, are quite successful or have a really big sort of following talking about money as though making a profit or charging a really great fee is somehow something that they feel really good about avoiding. Like Mm. if you're using the word affordable in your copy, I encourage you to go and have a look at that because is providing a an affordable thing mm-hmm. actually what you want your life's work to be about or is it actually that what you want your business and your life's work to be about creating the best whatever it is the mm. best tomato sauce or the best pottery piece or the best customer service experience mm. and in order to be able to do that we need to feel really comfortable to charge for the value that we are creating. Yes. Mm. Love it. I think I'm going to have to come in on your group program. Oh, I'd love to have you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Come on in. (laughs) And also I'd love to do some sort of like workshop with you or get you in to present a masterclass to some of my students because it is such important conversation to have and business tool to get you to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not... Um, I'm upset with the accounting industry because I really don't think we are doing a good enough job for our clients that it's not acceptable to me that someone can work with their accountant for 10 years and still not be able to tell me whether or not they're profitable. Yes. Yeah. And this is my pledge to any accountant who is listening to this podcast. Please do better. The way we communicate with our clients needs to improve. We need to be educating our clients, not just doing the work for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or not giving them like a the diagnosis or like yeah, it's good or yeah, it's bad. You know, yeah, let's let's dig a little deeper. That's right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and give people pats on the bum every now and then, metaphorically. Let them know they're doing a good job, or let them know, hey, there's something here that I want to draw your attention to. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Such a great (laughs) chat. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Lisa. It's been awesome. Hi to everyone listening on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I'll see you inside your group program. (laughs) Please come on in. (laughs) Thanks, V. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the e-commerce marketing society podcast. If you'd like to keep getting juicy marketing goodness into your ears each week, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Plus, I'm, of course, so grateful for a five-star rating and review, which means I can keep supporting you through this podcast. If you'd like to be a part of one of my programs this year, either Ecom Grow Strong or Ecom Scale Strong, head over to my website, lisaburn.com.au and get in touch with me there or over on Instagram at lisaburnmarketing. And I cannot wait to chat with you.